Welcome to Industry 4.0. Hey guys, welcome to Industry 4.0. This is your source for the week's latest tech news. This is Matt, and I am joined today by only one person. We're down to just a two-man show today, interview style. I'm here with uh, Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? How, How are you doing? Um, I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm a little nervous after hearing you say interview style. I'm not ready to go uh, <laughs> under the microscope here. But. Well, I'm always down for some like back and forth banter, just kind of kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. And it's good that we can actually kind of open up with a little more conversation because it's just the two of us. Yeah, a dialogue with Matt and Jeff. Exactly. Fireside <laughs> chats with Matt and Jeff. Of so. course, on behalf of everyone from Industry 4.0. <laughs> um. But we have a couple of interesting topics today. Um, we're going to kind of start off the first half of the show doing a little bit more of a normal kind of flow. And then the second half, we have one dedicated topic that we're going to spend however long we need to on. So coming up in the first half, we have some news about uh, a man's car being disabled automatically by a car company. We have WhopperCoin, the Burger King crypto cash. We have uh, Uber's new CEO choice and what that means for the company. And also to wrap it up and segue us into the next half, we have Google's AR core, their new um, their new AR uh, competitor to Apple's AR kit. So let's jump right into the first topic. Um, this article was, I saw this article and I thought to myself, this is, like this is one of the most ridiculous ways of kind of skirting around. Uh, we've talked about a lot about terms of service in the last episode. So mm-hmm. this kind of held pretty close to that topic. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on this? Uh, basically for the listeners, this uh, man in Quebec is fighting a, uh, fighting a $200 fee for, to remove a GPS tracker from his car that the dealership can use to remotely disable his vehicle. And, that fee was not written in the contract for the car. And upon his refusal to pay, they actually did go ahead and disable his vehicle. So he's disputing that this is an illegal move. But I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, Jeff. I want to I kind of see what you're thinking. Well, generally speaking, this has nope written all over it for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a GPS tracking device built into the car as, you know, just to start off is, is a no thank you kind of thing mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah, I don't want a car dealership knowing my location in that car, but uh, yeah. furthermore, it's just like extortion. I mean, you put a device in a car, someone wants to sell it and they say, all right, you got to take it out. It's going to cost you $200. The guy says, uh, nope, I'm just going to sell the car. And they're like, well, I guess we're just going to make the car inoperable now, even though you just sold it and it's not even yours. Yeah. And then like, it would have been one thing if they had included this in the contract and, they could have just been like, oh, you didn't read this little footer here that this has to be removed right. in order to um, in, in order to transfer the car over. But um, it's it's just kind of shady because he was noted. The article goes on to say that he was notified by text message, too. I'm glad you said it. This is like a text message breakup, you know, like <laughs> yeah, at least I was the guy I call a uh, call if you're going to disable this car. Come on. Yeah, he said he was saying um, to quote the article, he was saying, um, he had just started a job and needed the car to get to work. And he says, I let my mom deal with it because he would have blown a head gasket. No, obviously, no pun intended because it's about a car. But 
He is wearing it's, a Family Guy quote shirt in his uh, little thumbnail picture as well. Right. You know. Yeah. Not it's a very anything. flattering image. Yeah. Uh, it really captures his mood. This is. <laughs> it really does. He doesn't look happy, and I. I don't think I would be either. Um, no. Especially but, after the fact they spent thirteen thousand dollars on this, and they still have to pay two hundred dollars to the dealership. So I'm wondering. You know, they say there's no removal fee in there about removing the device, which is one one you know discussion to have but this device in general um there's this this individual who's quoted in this article um and he's the president of the automobile protection association is saying the gps immobilizers are an effective way of getting consumers to keep up on their car payments so it seems like like the device's intent in the first place is we put this in the car it tracks your location for whatever reason it's that device i don't know why it's tracking location but essentially, it sounds like they they want that that stranglehold over the consumer. Where you're not paying for the car. Well, guess what? You don't get to drive it. Mm-hmm. It's kind yeah, of this like, sounds like. Um, do you remember the things the insurance companies offer where you can put a tracker into the ODB monitor to track like your speed and your rates will go up and down? Yes. Like it's almost like the same thing as that, where it, in the end it just ends up costing you more money because everybody ends up going a little bit over the speed limit, and it's not always feasible to either follow the speed limit or go under or over or sometimes things happen and someone cuts you off and you slam your brakes and suddenly they're like oh this person's braking really hard so right. we have to well i mean it's the with that device at least if you drive safely so to speak your rates go down with this what's what's yeah. the pro that you get to drive the car that you're already like i don't know you're already on the hook for it right if you don't make your right. payments that's going to affect your credit score and things like that i don't know about this at all i don't like it one bit um yeah um the the silver lining to this is that um the dealership did contact um the owner and they did remove the device without charging them but um the thing that the important thing to note in this article is that it is in the way that they approached the situation was in fact illegal they um the office said that the from the quebec consumer protection bureau um said that it they have to give them a 30 day notice before doing such a thing and immobiling a car could amount to intimidation, which is also prohibited under consumer protection laws, which is what you were saying, how it's basically extortion. It's like a bookie coming after you for the money. Like, yeah. Like how you going to get to work to get the money to pay him off if your knees are broken, you know, same same deal. And also it's, he owns the car. He paid it off. They had just paid it off and then they did it. So the dealership no longer has a stake in that vehicle. Well, this is clearly a situation where it's messed up. A $200 fee to remove the device is what caused this to happen. Mm -hmm. But in general, the device being used for that sort of thing, I, I don't even like that for car personally. Yeah. And it's, this looks like it's one of those situations too, where you see these dealerships kind of all over the place where they sell cars to people with low credit and it's something to advertise, um, in a way to like pick up a car fast, you get super low rates, but in the end, like the car has a lot of problems. The interest is incredibly high. There's always something hiding behind the scenes. And in this case, it looks like the dealership is just tracking the car and they, they can basically use the car as a extortion device. I wonder how this would uh, pan out if maybe the dealer was saying, you put this device in your car to ensure you pay on time, we'll give you a $2,500 discount off the total co- cost of the car. So maybe they're getting less money overall, which I'm sure they can afford to do, you know, with whatever they mark it up and then they'll get their payments on time so they won't be have any delinquent consumers, you know? 
Right. Maybe that yeah. maybe that approach would make a little more sense. But there's like there's dozens of ways that I yeah. think could have yeah. been um could have been used to get this done in a in a more consumer friendly way. Diplomatic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was saying he admitted to having bad credit and he was happy to get approved for the lease, which sounds like one of those bad dealership scenarios. And it says he didn't ask too many questions about the contract or the tracker, and he knew he had to deal with whatever he could get. Which, in some cases, like those people were kind of they have they don't have too much money. They're and then in the end, these kinds of payments end up screwing them over further and further, and it's just not good for the industry, and especially when tech like this is used in that kind of a way. And it's like one of the negative sides of the GPS tracking technology and stuff like that. Yeah, it's what scares people away from it. Yeah. And I mean, I use um, a, I use an ODB tracker called the automatic in my car to kind of uh, track fuel mileage and just kind of offer general diagnostics and stuff like that. And I read into their contract and they don't have anything like far reaching like that. It's mostly just kind of an in-app solution to tracking like how you how far you go, quick stops, your average speed, stuff like that. So, I mean. When it's up front, it's fine. But the important thing here is, is that everything was kind of shady and behind his back. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Um, yeah. But um, there's no really clean way to segue into the second topic. <laughs> behind, from behind your back to into your belly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, Burger King's Whopper coin crypto cash. Um, there seems to be this huge cryptocurrency craze going on right now with sure the, does. Yep. the rise of Bitcoin. And uh, Burger King now seems to be jumping into this, but they're taking it from a different approach, which I find fascinating. Um, they're using they're using blockchain technology as a rewards kind of scheme, like a loyalty scheme. And it says they've already generated one billion Whopper coins to use in the scheme. And um, it's, they, it says that people in Russia, which is where this is being kind of field tested uh they'll be able to buy a whopper with the virtual cash once they've amassed 1700 whopper coins <laughs> so um i know we don't talk too much about blockchain just because it's a very low level and hard to understand kind of uh, technology but it's cool to see that there's other uses besides currency for crypto and for blockchain um what do you think of but the potential that this has in terms of rewards with blockchain. What are your thoughts? Um, I think, I think it's a cool direction for, you know, the sort of business to go in general. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, I mean, if you do, if you do the math with the kind of setup they have here, this is um, basically for every do US dollars worth they spend uh, on the Whopper sandwich, they're getting about 75 of these points. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you really, you got to spend about $23 us dollars to get, um, a Whopper basically for free. Mm -hmm. It's not like the greatest <laughs> deal in the world, you know, no. but, um, it, the direction is in general is good. I like, I prefer it to, um, say a business card kind of thing where you get, you know, every 10, you get a, a stamp in it or whatever it is. And then eventually yeah, yeah. you get a free thing. Mm -hmm. Um, no one wants to keep those things and carry them around in their wallets forever. And no. 
I, I judge people who do a little bit. <laughs> so if this is like, yeah. a, you know, if you have an app to man, maybe like Apple Wallet or Google Wallet, or whatever, to manage these kind of things too for you, maybe Burger King's going to have their own app and, you know, incentivize using their app this way. Right. Um, it's a cool direction to go. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And I think the the one feature that this that the blockchain technology can bring to the rewards currency and to rewards point systems is that it keeps everybody honest in that uh, cryptocurrency has a has a hashed ID tied to each coin Agreed. in a way that yeah. links it to the owner. And this way, uh, and the article elaborates on this a little bit by saying um, that it allows them to kind of get a little bit more of a granular control over if the system is being abused or not. And they can shut down the whole thing at once if they find out that people are abusing it instead of with current rewards card systems where it's kind of hard to tell if people are abusing it. You don't really know the flow of the, the rewards co- points and it's kind of easier for people to like exchange coupons and points and stuff like that. So yeah, it's uh, it keeps everybody honest, which is good. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I, the, the article was saying, I don't imagine McDonald's would be quick to allow someone to pay for Big Mac with their Whopper coins. And they're more likely to accept an independent crypto like Bitcoin. But I think they were saying that um, with with this, it's something that's going to probably you're going to see solutions being created by company by company. Yeah. Um, just people field testing different types of a blockchain. And I'm pretty sure we could probably spend a whole episode if we had a full stat, a full show with yeah. Irvin on here to kind of explain a little bit more about blockchains. I know he's heavily invested in it. Um, and. That being said, uh, I think that the Burger King being the first corporate brand to issue its own crypto cash, I definitely did not see it coming. <laughs> I definitely did not either. This was <laughs> shocking to me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, and, I'm not sure how much uh, I'd brag about my net worth in uh, Whopper coins either. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could. It's, it's a very large number, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I am worth 10 billion Whopper coins, Slavin. To help boost my confidence, I actually measure my net worth in Dogecoin. It's like <laughs> one one hundred thousandth of like a dollar or something like uh, that. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm actually rich if you just put a dollar sign in front of that number instead of a Doge icon. You just imagine. Yeah. You see the number <laughs> and just drift away. Yeah. But um, I'm pretty sure down, down the line, once this technology becomes adopted, we could uh, work towards getting an episode about just blockchain, what it is, what it means to people, why cryptocurrency isn't just this scary thing used by hackers to extort people for money and why it's like an actual, um, it's a, it's an actual thing to invest in. And I know people who are actually like reading books on um, what the purpose of investing is. And these are people who have stakes in just the stock market. So yeah, it's kind of like a, a new form of investment in a way you kind of purchase coins sit on it for years and once it picks up in value if it ever does then it's all about reading the market so it's like there's like that yeah like the bitcoin there's one guy who invested in bitcoin forgot about it and then realized he did however many years later and he was like absolutely loaded after yeah or you could be that just like that one guy and very early on in the advent when you think it is starting to be worth something you pay 50 bitcoin or something like that for a pizza or for two pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, now those are the most expensive pizzas in the world. <laughs> yeah, especially now that Bitcoin is around $4,000 a coin. 
<laughs> oh man. Yeah, the the current um Bitcoin value. The current value of Bitcoin is $4,743.94. Yeah, if that was me, I would never sleep again. He paid $10,000 for pizza. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> everybody research the current exchange rate of dollar to pizza, please. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah, and anybody looking to even get into cryptocurrency, uh, a good currency to potentially consider is Ethereum. It's the it's the de facto number two coin out there currently, second only to like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, which is the the new variant that spun off of Bitcoin. So, that being said, um, we should save a lot of that discussion. I think for another, another week. Yeah, it's very any any deeper, and it gets very very technical. Yeah. Um, but something that isn't very technical is the new Uber CEO. This is the first bit of good news that I've heard from this company in a long time. Like, so we got to reset the clock like days since good news from Uber. We got to set it back to zero. Um, <laughs> their new CEO, his name, and we <laughs> we tried practicing it before the show, but Dara Khosrowshahi, yeah, I believe, I believe right. yeah. is his name. Um, they just hired him uh from he was the uh ceo of expedia the uh current standing as of 2015 richest and highest paid ceo of all time uh, on the planet not and maybe not necessarily of all time but on the planet at last in 2015 i think he made 94 million dollars yeah, annual that's pretty solid so, yeah uh, yeah so you can if you're yeah. if you might know what a breath of fresh air feels like or tastes like, but now you know what it sounds like. Kasha Shahi. <laughs> Kasha Shahi, yes. <laughs> yes, that is what it sounds like. Yeah. And um he is a with this with the list of CEOs that they had uh, considered approving, I mm -hmm. think that he's a very good choice for the company. Yeah. He's done a lot of great work over at Expedia, um, kind of bringing them through some controversial times in their own company and uh, making the the company very focused on aggregating revenue and gaining value by a lot. I think, I think Expedia increased in value by almost five billion in his tenure as CEO at the company. So, um, what do you think? I know he's kind of a for at least most people he's kind of an out of the blue CEO. But what are your thoughts on on this guy and what he could bring to Uber? Um, I think I think this was a, a good decision. Um, obviously, the future, you know, who knows what it holds, but um, they're bringing in someone who took a big company and made it even bigger. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Expedia, who knows, could have fallen through the cracks. It's it's still very relevant today. It's a company that has a lot of location based services um, for, you know, finding hotels, uh, room and board, price comparing. Uh, it's very tech uh based it's it's based in technology websites apps uh alerts via email text messages i think it's right up his alley to tackle uber um mm -hmm. and everybody don't we know that they need it right now um, absolutely yeah so i think he was yeah. a great choice um one of the biggest things that he brings to the table for uber is the ability to control financing mm -hmm. uh, one of the bigger problems with uber um, according to the article on Stratechery, was uh, that he, Travis Kalanick, had a major problem with understanding their um, 
their bonuses that were paid to Uber drivers in even the past week, they had no like tangible way of measuring and calculating that value, which is incredibly alarming to investors and to just their reputation in general. And it's the article goes on to say it's part of the reason why Benchmark, the investor that's suing them, listed the lack of a CFO as a reason for the lawsuit. So with that kind of being brought into the light, um, Kasprashai's his 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 I'm trying to think of the word um, his weight that he or his importance that he emphasizes on finance is going to be invaluable to making this company worth something and it's worth a lot as it is for writing on all of the problems that it's had over its history. Um, I'm excited to see wh- where he's going to take it and what he's going to be able to do with this company because he clearly looks like he wants a challenge because. You don't go to Uber expecting an easy job if you're going to be their CEO. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I certainly think he knows he's not in for an easy task here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems like yeah. an, he seems like no nonsense, uh, you know, straight to work kind of guy. Um, rumors and articles online are that he says, you know, something along the lines of uh, "I'll call you, don't don't call me" to the board during his bid for his own uh, candidacy as CEO. So he's a very confident mm-hmm. guy. He's he's confident in his own ability. Um, I think that you know that that could be bad, but honestly, it could. But um, the hope is that he's he knows what he's doing and he's going to be you know fiscally responsible, like you're talking yeah. about, Matt. Yeah, his uh, and then to kind of bring in a couple of other things, he he wanted to kind of shuffle around the board for Uber, and judging off of their culture that they had and their prior history and even things we've talked about in prior episodes, one of their biggest problems was their board, the kind of allowing this kind of toxic culture to kind of happen in the company, just right under everybody's noses and right under the investors. And that was one of his points that he wanted to do. Uh, He wanted to kind of change up the board. And it's good to see you have someone coming in who's not going to be cushy and like real buddy buddy with the people who are definitely huge causations of or cause or causality for all the sexism and uh, rampant issues that ran through Uber. And this could also even bring an end to uh, Travis Kalanick has some friends that are still working in Uber who kind of are trying to start like an internal movement to bring Kalanick back as CEO eventually. And Everybody knows that's not going to be good for the company at all no. to bring somebody I, like him back. I can't see that happening. I don't no, know and who his friends are, but especially with the CEO with uh, Dara, I, th- I think that we'll see that. Um, I think we're going to see some more positive news coming out of Uber, and or at least just major shakeups in the company. And so yeah, there's this uh, in- interesting point in this article you have linked here in the show notes, Matt. Uh, is talking about uh, you know Uber versus Expedia, what kind of companies they are, and how uh, Uber's like uh, basically a company that builds its own customer base based off a necessity for its service, mm-hmm. um, whereas Expedia basically was routed to as a result of search engines being used to find hotels, and then it recommends Expedia as a source for that information. Um, 
you know, talks. I mean, they also mentioned uh, about Expedia being a complaint in an EU uh, antitrust case against Google for similar reasons. But it's going to be cool to see what he can do with a company that built its own uh, customer base as opposed to one that gets recommended. Yeah. And that's why I think he was able to win out over the GE CEO, Jeffrey Immelt, and HP CEO, Meg Whitman. I think that's why he won out because looking at his tenure and looking at his history as a CEO, he very clearly is qualified to pull a company like Uber out of the ashes before it's too late. Yeah. He's, he's a builder. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping to see some big shakeups from him in the near future from Uber once he takes over. And also it doesn't help that, or it doesn't hurt that he's probably getting somewhere close to a couple hundred million as a signing bonus, just for signing on to such a major like a major sinking ship just a as teen, Uber is. Just a teensy bit of an incentive. Yeah. It was like, here's a, here's a smooth 200 million. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this will kind of tickle your fancy. That's, de that's definitely a reality changer right there. Yeah. What would you do with $200 million Oof, as man. a signing bonus? Oh my that's God. A question. <laughs> that's a really and good question. Maybe it'll cause me to reinstall Uber. I've been one of the holdouts from the delete Uber movement. I bounce Just, back and forth. I honestly install and reinstall based on my need. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, right. if I wasn't in the city, I probably would have both. Yeah. But since I'm in the city, it's very easy to have, um, very easy to kind of just use one because they're both so prevalent. Yep. So, but that being said, um, I think we should discuss uh, another major kind of advent in technology. We have Google's AR core. Oh boy. Um, yeah, Irvin was excited about this one. I'm sure uh, he, was. he was. He was showing me a demo of um, of the AR core on his S8. And the the big thing with the with AR core is um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Apple's AR kit. And this is Google's response to that. So it's going to be the everyman's AR. So it's a technology that is capable of being deployed to smartphones. And currently the supported smartphones are the Galaxy S8 and the Google Pixel. Yep. So um, they're two fairly common phones. I've seen several S8s already in the wild. So that means that once this technology is stable enough to put into apps, you'll start seeing it pick up pretty quickly, which is good. Um, that being said, uh, I think, did we talk about um, Google's Project Tango? in prior episodes i think we might have at least touched on it at we least might a have, little. we have mentioned it but we definitely didn't spend a ton of time on it mm -hmm. um, yeah it's hard to it's hard to keep track being a yeah. episode 17 so many episodes <laughs> which is really episode 18 if you think about it but yeah yeah well yeah but everything starts from zero and not one because we yes. zero index everything just like a human <laughs> yes but um with project tango for uh, i don't know how much you know about project tango but it's a it's an ar software that google's been working on since 2014 and it's had a few iterations of smartphones with a with tango enabled hardware on board which allows the phone to run very high-end augmented reality programs and augmented reality software and the difference between tango and and ar core is essentially the same thing as the difference between an htc vive and a Google Cardboard. In HTC Vive, you need dedicated hardware and 
very expensive equipment and you need something that's built to run Tango. Whereas with Google Cardboard, most smartphones will be able to run this out of the box without any kind of additional hindrance on the consumer. Yeah. So that's the difference between AR Core and Tango. But the difference between AR Kit and AR Core is almost none. The only difference right now is that I think Apple's just had a little bit longer to kind of have a run with it. And we've seen more demos and it's Apple. So naturally, you're going to have more people jump on board with this much faster. Right. Um, So we all know Google's capable of. So (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're they came out with the Google Home uh, two years after the Amazon Echo and already the Google Home, I, I think, is much more. Um, much more feature rich and much more powerful of a productivity tool than the Echo, despite the Echo having a ton of flashy kind of um, additions you can get for it and extra skills that you can teach the Echo. And a nice but, appropriate name mm-hmm. to be called Alexa. Yeah. yeah. That, she shall not be named. She who shall not be named. Oh, I broke the cardinal rule. <laughs> You're probably going to enable like five of them just scattered throughout random listeners' homes. Ha, good luck, everybody. Um, it's fine. <laughs> uh, how excited are you about this, Matt? AR Core looks awesome. And especially now that just recently I had upgraded to the Pixel, I can actually test this out and yeah. kind of do, like, give a full recap on it. I guess um, you and Irvin could both uh, test it out. Yeah, I, I was saying, uh, right when we rolled in the topic, he was showing me a demo of it yeah. the other day uh, when we were at lunch. And it's really cool. It's basically like, it looks just like Pokemon Go. That's the easiest way to describe it right now. There's just quick programs like the one he had. um, You could take the little, like the droid icon guy and like place him on the floor or like on countertops and stuff. And then whenever you would turn and look back, he would be like, the lighting would be correct for how he is. And he would be standing on the counter and stuff like that. So it's cool. But um, I think... Honestly, and we can talk about this much more in the second half when we kind of go into AR versus VR. Um, the most important thing, I think, with this is that it's bound to a smartphone. Exactly. And that is, that's big for people. But that being said, eventually after a while, your hand is going to get tired holding the phone up for so long yep. <laughs> when you're flying it. And I think, honestly, that the big thing is going to be whoever beats uh the rest of the competition to market with a pair of like glasses or something that's ar core enabled or uh, apple kit or ar kit enabled well i i had similar thoughts there are pros and cons to you know both mediums um Mm -hmm. but uh i don't know about i don't know about you but i'd i'd like to save that for when we dive in with this ar vr conversation yeah because ar is getting big and i think it's uh it's cool to see like what it means for the consumer, what, like what the potential future of it is and what's, um, what it means going forward for people. And I'm definitely excited about both in both AR and VR. So as am I, my friend, as am I. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with, uh, with all that in the books, I think we're ready for a quick break here, Matt. And uh, for our listeners out there, just as a reminder, in the second half, Matt and I are going to be back talking about the differences and similarities between augmented reality and virtual reality, 
what kind what the future may hold for both maybe which one's going to be the more dominant form of this uh reality shift and uh what that means for all of us so with that being said thank you for joining us for the first half of episode 17 of industry 4.0 and we'll be back after a short break People of the world, welcome back to episode 17 of Industry 4.0. This is Jeff Budzinski, still here with Matt Slavin, uh, entering the second half of this episode. Just a reminder to the listeners out there that you can check out Industry 4.0 on Facebook and Twitter, where we share tech news that we find interesting throughout the week, uh, and that can serve to prep you a little bit for our episodes every week. You can also Mm -hmm. find our podcast on Google Play, iTunes, any of your favorite podcatchers, as well as Tuned In Radio. And you can find our video streams on YouTube and Twitch. So, Matt, I hope you had a nice break. Coming back here to continue our conversation about augmented reality and discuss virtual reality as well, uh, what the future holds for the two, what the difference is between the two for listeners who aren't aware, and just our kind of general thoughts on the two forms of uh, what what's to come for reality in general. So um, do you want to lead us off here a little bit? with? Uh, yeah, I'm primed and ready to go fresh from... Fresh from the break. Uh, so the big things that are that is with AR and VR is virtual reality. People have heard from the HTC Vive, the Google Cardboard, um, the Oculus Rift. Um, VR has taken kind of the gaming sphere by force, whereas AR has been kind of undertaken by more enterprise companies. I know uh, Google kind of initiated it with the Google Glass um, then you had companies going down the line, uh, releasing augmented reality software. You have Microsoft's HoloLens. Um, and then now we have AR kit and AR core. And, um, the, the fundamental difference between VR and AR is that AR is using the world around you in order to actually, um, kind of overlay information to kind of make navigating the real world um, a little bit more informative and kind of put information out there. Whereas with VR, it's more of an experience. So you'll see a lot of things from, like I said earlier, video games all the way down to things such as like even to go all the way down, of course, pornography. So you'll see in pretty much every sphere, uh, one of the two has been taking over. And the big thing with 
uh, my opinion is, and I don't know, you may have a different opinion from me, is that I think that AR is probably going to take over the space and gain popularity much faster than VR. Is because with the advent of AR Kit and uh, AR Core, we don't have to worry about these hardware hurdles to get over before we can, uh, before a consumer can use those products. So, for example, um, Project Tango, like we had talked about in the first half, you actually need dedicated hardware in order to run Project Tango enabled software. And same thing with the HTC Vive if in the VR realm where you need um, you need a powerful desktop computer as well as an $800 headset. So there's a, a huge financial overhead to, to kind of like a hurdle to jump in order to get in. So those are like the two fundamental differences with AR and VR and the different overheads. But um, I'm curious to know what you think. Like, do you think that uh, like what do you what do you think some of the possible uses in society you could see or what would make you more willing to use AR? Um, I'm just curious to hear that because I like talking to people about all this stuff. It's it's like fun because it basically is the future. It could it could go as far as replacing smartphones. I think if it's done in a certain way, it could really encompass of what I what appealed to me about virtual reality. Um, I, I've thought a lot about things like 3D modeling and design, um, education, maybe um, taking a look into the past. Um, mm-hmm. But I think AR really does have a lot more potential because you're not detached from the reality we currently experience um, when you're using it. And for things basically it's about integrating it seamlessly into your already existing routine for me at least um you were touching on in the first half a little bit about you know using something like glasses instead of holding up a smartphone to you know take part in this augmented reality that's we're being exposed to i really like that idea as well um Mm -hmm. i do think that the real genuine future of technologies like this is a heads-up display for our um you know current experience Um, right but that's 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 a bridge that we've yet to cross as a a culture and society um because that's probably going to involve some biotechnology that people are not going to be ready for uh without a smooth transition into it also a little bit of like social stigma too because you had back when google glass was around and people were using that and like it was popular in news um (laughs) there was a couple of instances of there's one in particular where there was this girl who was in a bar and she was like walking around to people like, I'm recording you. Oh my God, I'm recording you. And then someone just like knocked her out because she was just walking up to people and getting in their face with a Google glass and like the, it's cool. And it's like, a, it, I, I think that Google was ahead of its time when they made the Google glass, which is why it wasn't popular. But once you get over the social stigma created around people who are using that technology and it becomes more of a normality, Right. becomes more like accepted by most regular people. I think that's when, yeah, I agree. I think that's when you're going to start seeing it kind of take and, society by storm. And, you know, I, th- I think that this, um, you know, the AR core is a step in that, di- a huge step in that direction. AR kit as well, yeah. but from coming from Apple, I'm sure you're going to have uh, other forms of similar technology coming our way in the future. When you put this on a smartphone, you know, every mom and pop's got an iPhone, uh, every, Average Joe, you know, you know, whatever uh, 
pseudonym I can throw about people, whatever mm-hmm. nickname I can throw out there, I guess. Everyone's going to be doing this. It's going to be yeah. something where you go, it's what we talk about. You're going to walk down the street and see a store that maybe interests you. You can hold up your phone now. It's going to give you this awesome wealth of information in a way that you're excited to see. You're not scrolling yeah. through a web page. You're not Google searching this and then figuring out what hours are, what the store's hours are, what they can provide, what's on their menu. It's going to mm-hmm. just show up in front of you on your phone. Google is actually working on a feature like that. I think it's called, we talked about it definitely on one of the, I think on the IO episode, it's, I think it's called the Google lens where you can, it'll overlay uh, information on that. And that's, yeah. that yeah. that's going to be so cool. I'm so excited for that because I, I want wait. to be able to have it. Like you'll pull up your phone and then you see like Yelp reviews, like pop up in the air around it or something, or just like general information or like you're on, you're driving in your car and you see the GPS direction overlaid over top of your head in, in your eyes and you know where you're going. Yeah. Um, and it, it only gets more powerful, but I think, the fact that we're seeing it in everyday smartphones, like you were saying, is is very impressive. But the big leap, I think, is going to be in jumping from phones to wearables. Once the tech gets small enough and cheap enough to be put into like a pair of glasses, then that can augment a lot more than just even like even if it's used in the, in the case of Google Glass, like you may see a comeback of something very similar to Google Glass for people who don't need glasses oh, or yeah. even like, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm re- I'm reading an article here, Matt, as well. That's about, um, you know, virtual reality headsets allowing teachers to take who are from, you know, of course, schools that can afford VR headsets. Um, here they're talking about Google uh, Cardboard and using uh, virtual reality basically to send students on virtual field trips across mm-hmm. time and space to learn about a different time period. Um, imagine being in school and being able, you know, it's, it's going to take some development of things like this and it's, it's, it's an artistic development. Imagine going back and I don't know, seeing dinosaurs or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seeing the great wall of China being built something like that's so cool with augmented yeah. reality. Imagine going to the Smithsonian Institute and you walk up to a uh, display and it pops up these, you know, articles or books about your subject matter that you're looking at. Yeah, um, AR is there's it's endless. Like it's it completely really and completely endless. If it comes a time when it comes a time where you do have glasses or something like you're talking about, it could change home computers and the internet for all we know. Um, mm-hmm. Like imagine a, a web where instead of scrolling through an article, you look at a page and look in a certain corner of the page, and it shows you a different kind of you know display of what you're looking for. The video plays if you look in the top right article in the yeah. top left. I could see a future where the the personal computer has a plug that goes into the back of it. And then using your AR glasses, you can have your monitors like you were showing with your the one article you posted yeah. to the page. Um, yeah. You can have your monitors like just kind of as screens that you can just pinch and resize with your hands and do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. And another cool thing, kind of touching on what you were talking about with being able to see the historic monuments and travel back in time that I've seen some places experiment with only with kind of physical kinds of augmented reality. And that's not even a real thing. Like it's literally just you line up the angle properly on the building and it shows you what that castle ruin you're staring at looked like when it was fully built. And like, can you imagine like you walk into the Roman Colosseum and you put on a pair of glasses and you see like the full crowd and like a fight happening in the, I, 
I would like love to experience that. <laughs> that would be so cool. I'm like yeah. cheesing so hard over here, just imagining <laughs> experiencing that. And these are the like the AR. This is this is like the entertainment value of it. Like that's yes. not even going into the medical uses, the therapeutic oh, uses, the and yeah, engineering uses. Like yeah, and in like between. something that Mark Zuckerberg I think was talking about was saying that with this is just with like VR. So with virtual reality, you'd be able to be transported to your doctor's office without ever leaving your home. Um, for example, you'd also have another opportunity to say purchase sports tickets over virtual reality. And with the headset, it would put you in the stadium as if you had bought a seat to the, to like a hockey game or to, um, to like a football game. And you'd have like a really nice, like front row seat and you're in virtual reality. So you're in, you're in your living room, like in your pajamas wearing this headset and you're in the crowd. Yeah. So like, instead of saying like, oh, did you see when that guy got tackled? You could say, did you see that part where the guy came flying at us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you could, be, and then you could like the, the potential for that is limitless. Like you could sell, you could sell 50,000 people and have them in one seat. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's endless, the, the possibilities. And I think that virtual reality and, and augmented reality will go hand in hand. But I think ultimately AR is going to have the most value for society as a whole. It'd be interesting to see what um like what what kind of effect that would have on things like the Olympics. You know, when you see these articles about towns or cities that host the Olympics and they're in debt for years afterwards, if you can mm -hmm. implement something where people will just get to experience it through a headset instead. I wonder yeah. if you can circumvent hopefully, some of those troubles. Hopefully it doesn't lead to something like um a world where people just kind of go into virtual reality domes and just kind of waste away. I think that's in a the virtual fear. world. Yeah, that's the valid fear. It's just it, and honestly a huge pro of uh, augmented reality versus virtual for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, that you're not as detached. You don't put on a headset and run away from everything else. Yeah, it keeps you in the world, and especially if you're getting like messages popping up like in your vision. Um, if you're getting like navigation and directions, it's less of a reason to look down and check your phone. Because I think people like to complain about uh, people being sucked into their smartphones. And like you go and you hear the stories everywhere. Like you go into a restaurant and you see this couple and they're both staring at their phones. Or you see this like you see this family and all the kids at the table have their like phones out and they're just like going through some article or something. Or this would be a good excuse to keep people immersed in the world while they're still consuming technology. Assuming they could multitask though. I, I mean, yeah. I did want to touch on this. I think I said it in a previous episode, one of my really good friends, uh, if he if he's looking at his phone with a text message or reading an email on his computer screen, what, what have you, he does not process a word that you say to him. <laughs> he could say, I'm on fire and I am dying and he won't, he'll be, oh, yeah, hold on a sec. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some people, people are just, they, they if, can't if, be pulled away if from. If you're that kind of person doing. with that kind of attention span and you have some kind of headset on with all this information coming at you, realistically, mm -hmm. are you going to be able to carry out a normal life with that thing on, though? Exactly, yeah. There's there's definitely a potential for people to become addicted to this kind of technology. And, like, and people just crave a large quantity of information coming in at once. And um you could say that maybe since they are paying attention, they may develop a sense of a capability of multitasking because they're dealing with the real world inputs as well as 
um, through email or technology or whatever they're doing. Yeah. So hopefully it would work, but you're always going to get those people, I think, who are going to either abuse the system or kind of fall victim to just accidents because they're distracted yeah. or they have one too many pop-ups happening at a time. I can kind of envision some kind of a movie where there's a future where kids go to school in virtual reality and kids complain about having to put on their headset instead of being outside. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can totally see that. All us 90, 90s kids and before shed a single tear, just imagine it. <laughs> It's the one thing that all current generations can can hold and attest to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but so I guess kind of, what were we saying? I was just going to say, jumping back to kind of the comparison, like the, the future of the two, mm-hmm. how you think that's going to look for society. Um, do you think one's going to overtake the other in terms of popularity to the point where it fades away as like its own name? Um. I don't know if it's going to go as far as that. I think the, uh, and we kind of danced around this throughout the second half so far, but I think that where we're headed um, is going to be, AR is going to, on one hand, consume, it's going to be more popular because there's more use cases for it, just simple as that, in my opinion. Um, there's more applications for it in the real world, but I think VR is still going to hold its own in the entertainment aspect of society like it could i could see virtual reality replacing um you could have movie experiences you could have like we're saying sports experiences i think it has limited use outside of fringe education for simulating hands-on things and simulating scenarios for people like um i know actually pilots and people who are in the U.S. military and militaries around the world actually do simulations and virtual reality to yeah. simulate flights or whether they're piloting a tank or doing something. So I think outside of education and entertainment, I think virtual reality is not going to have much of an impact. But I think in the gaps of virtual reality is where you're going to see AR shine. And yeah. I think AR will be bigger. But I don't know if you have a different opinion or not. I but. think that's pretty much my exact opinion. And <laughs> I'm not too surprised that we share it. Yeah. We got to get somebody on the show who's like, no, no, technology is evil. Can't have, we got to have like some devil's advocate on the show. <laughs> I can see, I think, I think we discussed this on a, sh- on a show. Was it Sony who did the mix of AR and VR? Was that Sony? Do you remember? Where there was I'm like, a, there sure. was, um, People who had the VR headsets on who were like running around. I think it might have been playing Minecraft, actually. And someone was, uh, you know, experiencing AR from a higher standpoint and looking at this table where there was this projection of the world and all the people running around as little oh, uh, I think that was HoloLens. avatars. HoloLens, that is what it was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh, gosh. I have to remember where I was going with this. This is bad. <laughs> no, but um, HoloLens, I think, is going to have its own applications, like you were saying, for engineering and things like that. But I think with the advent of these technologies, I think we're going to see um, these technologies being pushed forward in ways that we can't even like comprehend yet. Like things that we haven't invented, like uh, up until that article that you shared on Facebook, I didn't think of the possibility of being able to eliminate the monitor and have 
floating screens that I can, and as many as I want too. And it's only a matter of time before basically you can just write some software to emulate them as virtual screens on Windows. And next thing you know, it thinks there are real monitors. And for the cost of one little dongle, you're eliminating the need to buy a monitor ever again. Or your smartphone ever again. Yeah, that too. You can just project the phone onto like your hand or to the air in front of your face. And then once the tech becomes condensed enough and cheap enough, you could see people not needing a phone because you'll see like you'll have an Apple glasses or like Google glasses or something like that. By the way, it was totally going to take that previous conversation in direction of like the Sims or something where maybe like <laughs> people get engrossed in it and kind of yeah. become like the omnipotent force in a simulation or something. Um, and then suddenly you have a Sim who invents an electric car company and then is convinced that he's living in a simulation and then pays a bunch of researchers to search that they are in a simulation. Exactly. <laughs> Doesn't 100%. sound like Elon Musk or anything like no, that. Not at all. Or Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um the the with the with the technology like this it's i could see also to go into some downsides of the advent of ar and vr i could see possibly as a consequence like an increased amount of um disorders almost or yes. people claiming that they're having a problem connecting with what's real and what isn't real people attach too much to what is fake I so. could definitely see that. I could also see um, maybe a really elevated level of stress in actual reality as a result of maybe virtual reality or even augmented reality being simpler. Mm -hmm. um, if you have to be out fending for yourself without on-the-fly information popping up in front of you, how's that going to feel if you rely yeah, yeah. on it so much? If you don't have yeah. your phone, how does it feel right now? Exactly. Yeah, well, people that. panic without yeah. their phones. So things and things to consider. I'm sure they're being considered. But. Yeah, people get addicted to technology. It's people get this endorphin rush from getting their social media, like they get their likes and stuff on Facebook and their retweets on Twitter, and they get this rush of endorphins, and it keeps them coming back. And yeah, there are some people who said that getting a huge number of likes on a social media page is the equivalent to like doing a line of coke or something like that yeah. in terms of the endorphins that you get. Yeah, like to our listeners, this is not, um, you know, a metaphor. This is, it actually releases similar chemicals in your brain that makes you feel the same or similar. Yeah, and I think we could be treading into dangerous waters with that kind of technology right around the corner yeah. and how distracting it truly could be. And I also can't help but think of a future similar to how Futurama has it, where when you're older and you retire, you go into this little pod and it's a, virtual uh reality realm of you and your prime with like other people who are your loved ones in that world with you and like people are just kind of stored away Magic. like i can't, I can't help but think compounding about a, a, like compounding on itself so yeah. like young you gets to hang out with your grandkids when they're the same age as you or something yeah yeah like everybody in their prime basically like back to the future meets the giver meets logan's run meets like the yeah, matrix yeah. Oh, man. And then, like, also, even just whole societies built around people sucked into this virtual realm, yeah, or something. So, and at that point, it doesn't become hard to, like, this is like super dystopian, like, like people just laying in tubes maintained by robots, basically. Hey, why not? We're on a tech podcast talking about augmented <laughs> and virtual reality on <laughs> half of the episode, so let's go. Yeah, yeah. 
that's just like I, I just I see all of this stuff happening at once, but in the immediate future, I think that we're going to see more of a benefit than we are a downside. Yeah, similar to the advent of the smartphone, one company is going to come out with something that's going to just change the game for everybody, and with ARKit and um, with AR Core, I think we're going to see the two biggest competitors being Apple and Google. Both of them want to be first to that market with a cheap and powerful solution because Google, I'm sure, sees almost potentially infinite value in having control of that market and Definitely. being able to apply information in real time to people. Definitely. Yeah. I could also foresee it um, becoming such a powerful tool that we view it similarly to how we view phones and the internet today for communication, where it almost seems like everyone deserves to have this as like mm -hmm. a, a human, like obviously that's not the case, but it, you no. know, personally, I think that if everyone had access to the internet and all of the information out there, the world would be a lot more awesome. I can see, mm -hmm. you know, in the future, a lot of people feeling the same way about AR where if everyone had access to this heads up display of information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then there has to be rules built around it, and it's it's exciting, and, and it's one of the things that I'm happy to say that we get to like live to experience and like yeah. see it happen in person. I'm excited to see like where this goes and what technologies come out, and I can only imagine this part of the podcast taking over more episodes as um, as technology comes out around it and as um, software is built out to support the cheapening hardware that we're yeah. going to see could always be a, a sidebar kind of episode uh yeah. some, some kind of play on words with reality i'm thinking good yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. we'll <laughs> see what the future holds we will um and then that being said we could also even once we get the video segments started we could even do some virtual reality versus augmented reality comparisons because um if i'm not mistaken one of our fellow podcasters owns an oculus rift you're not mistaken <laughs> so we could do an accurate comparison i think yeah. but and i also have the playstation vr too which is an awesome piece of hardware so we'll see i mean there's there's so much you can do and so much we can talk about and there's been enough to more than enough to fill a second half of the episode absolutely this is a topic i could talk about forever probably and <laughs> definitely want to participate in uh use of products that involve both of these things so. mm -hmm. and then maybe by next episode or another couple episodes down the road i'll have messed around with ar core a little more and after the because i know we have apple's keynote on september 12th mm -hmm. where they unveil the new iphone they may have some more information on ar kit i'm sure they're going to want to beat them to market and then Sometime in October was the rumored date for the release of the Pixel 2. And I can imagine with that seeing the advent of just more information on AR core. Oh boy. So. Yeah, September 12th. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And then October 5th. October 5th. Exciting <laughs> times. Exciting times, I4O listeners. Yes. And um, with that being said, I don't know if we had any more closing remarks on vr and ar because i think it's much more and we can just start end up talking in circles um i don't really think i have too many more comments just uh stay tuned for what we have in store for you guys yeah yeah 
Um, but with that being said, I think then we can move on with the shameless plugging of ourselves. And I know we don't have Kyle here to plug himself, so I will offer the plug for him. Um, you can check out his wrestling podcast on on air with Keenan and Kyle. I think he's available on Podomatic and iTunes and Google Play um, and the major. I'm sure if you were able to find his RSS feed on Podomatic, you can add that to any of your favorite podcatchers as well as in the similar format to how we are. That being said, they also stream live to Facebook as well. Um, that is one more time on air with Keenan and Kyle. And I don't have the, the links right in front of me, but I'm sure he'll appreciate the plug. Right now. It's uh, HTTP colon slash slash on air with Keenan dot Podomatic dot com. Okay. There you go. Uh, nice. I was going to plug our, our co-host and good friend, Ryan Thompson. Uh, you can find some, amazing photography that's actually picking up some awesome steam and recognition in uh particularly the philadelphia community uh find them online at https colon slash slash www.flickr.com slash photo slash wayne r thompson uh, or on instagram at wayne ryan 21 do you have nice. any info for Irvin? i don't know um i know he has his instagram it's Irvin.Lucas. that's l-u-k-a-c-s um, I could be doing that wrong, but we have it in the, uh, I think we have that, all that information in the plug notes and we could list it in the show notes as well in case we get any of the usernames incorrect. Sounds good to me. And, uh, but, if you, if you want to check me out, I'm on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Fre F R E H. Uh, I make some tunes some beats for fun and for the show. So if you are uh, curious or even bored, check it out. And unlike you guys, my hobby is Industry 4.0. So I 4.0 is all I have to plug at this time. Good thing to plug. But that being said, like I have, I do uh, want to get back into some Android development and maybe get an app out or two, do some freelance stuff on the side. But um, aside from that, uh, you can catch Industry 4.0 and all of our episodes weekly. Uh, I think we're still kind of hashing out the exact day of the week that we're going to be airing and recording on, but I'm glad. And we appreciate everybody being along for the ride, but you can find us on as usual on Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can find us on YouTube um, going off iTunes, Google play tune in radio. You can find us on um, Twitch as well. We stream live pre-show um, and to go off of that, basically you have the RSS feed on podbean.com you can find us on podbean.com slash industry 4.0 no industry industry 4.0.podbean.com there you go i'm trying to do this all ad lib because it's starting to kind of sink in so show notes guys (laughs) you'll see it all yeah and um with that being said also the rss feed as well so you can add that to anything i noticed that we have pocket cast on android is another popular source as well as itunes um but with that being said I think this has been a complete episode 17 of Industry 4.0. J-Buds, I know we only had the two of us, but I appreciate us still getting time to get together for the episode. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Matt. We had a great time, in my opinion. Always, man. It's good to see the duet. We got to get some more um, different flows and like second half kind of heavy on like one topic or breaking down some topics. I like this. I kind of like this flow. It it feels good. It it feels like we got a lot of uh, focus in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hope the All listeners right. well, appreciate it as um, well. What's that? I said I just hope the listeners appreciate that as well. Hope you <laughs> learned something out there. 
Definitely. And um, with that being said, that's been episode 17 and catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening.